Good morning, everybody. Hey, welcome to New Life. Glad to have you guys here. If you would, go ahead and find a seat. That'll be great. That'd be wonderful. There's people walking uh, all over the place, probably in all of our venues right now. So if you just get back to your seat, that'll be awesome. My name is Jeff Baker. I'm one of the pastors on staff here at what I would like to say one of the great, one of, one of, please hear me well, one of the great, great churches uh, in our state of Nebraska. And that's, um, that's a real, yeah, that's a real testimony to you because the Bible clearly says to us that you, us together, we are the church. We're not talking about what we do program-wise. We're talking about people being genuine, being real, loving others. And so we've got uh, all of you that are here with us right now, all of you that were wor- worshiping with us in our 9 o'clock service, um, as well as those, I want to say hi to those that are worshiping with us down in the venue um, right now, God's been doing some great things down in the venue, and uh, God's doing some amazing things right now out in North Platte. I want to say hello to all of those as well. So, yeah, we are live right now with uh, all three of those venues. It's an exciting day. 2014 is an exciting day to live when you could be in Kearney, Nebraska and broadcast live to anywhere on the planet. That's, uh, that's a pretty fantastic. In HD, by the way, blow you away, Right? It could be HD 3D if we wanted to, but we don't want to spend that kind of money. So, we're just HD. We're going to be happy with HD, okay? Uh, We don't want to freak anybody out. Like when I make a powerful point, people would think I'm actually pointing right at them, and that wouldn't be good. That would not be good. So, we'll wait for our venues when holographic, you know, type of projectors come out, and then then we'll really freak people out. So, that'll be awesome. Hey, listen, we're in the, uh, the I Am Second teaching series. If this is your first week with us, I got... Good news and bad news. Bad news first, because we all know you want to just get that kind of stuff in and get it out of the way. This is the last Sunday for I Am Second. So, um, <clears throat> yeah, you can relive it online if you'd like to. You can go back and watch, you know, all of the past Sundays and see all of the amazing stories. And this, if this is your first Sunday with us and you've never gone to our website, um, mynewlifechurch.com, I would highly encourage you to go to that website it's there that you're going to find all of the past um, recordings from, video-wise, from our, our past teaching series. And there you can kind of journey along with us. And that way you can uh, be in the loop. You won't be out of the loop. It'll be awesome. Um, we've had some amazing things. We had these monologues that happened up here where some people from our drama team helped us see Scripture from a different perspective than we've ever seen it before. All right? That was kind of cool. We had some passages of Scripture that we used that really challenged us to the core to be God's people and to live as second with Jesus as first. And we're not done. We've got one last one. And so we're going to dive in today. Today. All right. Today's sermon is titled, Greater Than, Less Than. Yeah. All of you that are bad at math are going, no, I hate that. All right. You remember with a greater than, less than alligator mouth that helped us all understand what, what number is greater than the other one? Come on. You remember it, right? And the alligator mouth always pointed towards the greater one, like in this example. All right, seven is greater than Very good. You guys, are, you guys aren't too bad. So to kind of kick this off, because I like to have fun, all right? And uh, I don't like to always be serious all the time. I think there's a place to have fun and to really grow and have fun. So I need you to wipe off your serious face, all right? Come on. You're not impressing anybody, all right? No one's looking at you going, wow, look how serious that person is about being here. Your serious face normally looks like, wow, look how depressed that person looks like being here. So put a smile on your face, all right, and join with me in the greater than, less than game, all right? Are you ready for this? 
All right. Let's see. Let's see, if you, let's see how good you really are. Let's practice a little bit. We'll go with the first one. Which one is greater, football or hockey? All right, so if you're, if you're yelling football right now, then you don't know me very well. It is actually hockey. Hockey is greater than football. <clears throat> and you might be wondering to yourself, hey, hold on. We are more of a football state. I know. Even, even I was at the game yesterday. But you forgot. I have the pulpit right now. And so if you, if you really want to learn how to play this game, that means you're going to have to get inside of my head if you really want to learn how to play this game. All right? It's a scary place. Get out as quick as you can. All right? Let's try another one. Here we go. Let's try another one. See how good you are. Steak or chicken? Which one's greater? That's my church. Come on, baby. Yeah. Steak is definitely greater than whatever that is. Okay. And whatever animal that comes off of. Let's try another one. This is a hard one. All right? So think deeply. All right? Which one is greater? The color red or the color green? Green. Wow. You guys said green? If you said green, high-five the person next to you because that's the right answer. Green is always greater than red. Always. And you want to know why? Because our logo here at New Life is green. Sometimes it comes down to the simplest things, all right? And if you really want to see our logo, then go to our website and check out us and see what's going on. All right, let's try the next one. Now listen, they're only going to get harder. Reese's Peanut Butter Cup or Dove Chocolate. Which one's greater? Hey, it's, I'll tell you which one it is. It's Reese's Peanut Butter Cup every day. Because we all know, man, we all know that when you take chocolate and you mix it with peanut butter, it only gets better. Ugh. Man. All right. Now, we have a couple more. They're going to be really hard. So pay attention. All right. Which one's greater, Ford or Chevy? Wow. I, I, heard, I heard a lot of Chevy, but I got bad news for you. It's neither. It is Jeep. Obviously, you, ha- you don't know what car I drive. All right. If you knew what car I drive, you would have instantly realized that was a trick question. Let's go to the very last one. Let's see which one is greater, Carney or North Platte. If you said that there's equal, yes, you are right. Man, you have gone to our website. You have read the statement. We are one church in multiple locations. Come on, high-five the person next to you and just say, you are a winner, all right? You are a winner. Wow. All right. Greater than, less than, all right? You guys all won. That's good. That means you probably should get this next question completely right. Jesus or anything? Okay, all right, good. Jesus is greater than finances. Jesus is greater than your marriage. Jesus is greater than friendships that you have. Jesus is greater than your children. Jesus is greater than any of those things. Jesus is greater than the career you're trying to build right now. Jesus is greater than the success that you may or may not ever have. Jesus is greater than any fame that you may acquire. Jesus is greater. And the quicker that we get that into our hearts, the more we're going to understand what this teaching series was really all about. This I Am Second teaching series was all about how Jesus can become greater and we can become less. So today I want to get started. Let's look at John 
chapter 3, verse 30. Take a look at this. Here is John the Baptist, and he is making this statement. He says, he, meaning Jesus, he must become greater and greater, and I must become less and less. Now, in John chapter 3, John the Baptist is, he's at the climax of his ministry career. He's got the most followers. He's got the greatest name. You know, he has the most influence and the most authority than he's ever had in all of his life. And some of his followers come to him and they say to him, hey, don't you realize that that guy, Jesus, that you baptized in water, he's got more people following him now than even you have. And people are actually going to him to be baptized instead of you. And John corrects them and he goes, I'm sorry, you guys are wrong. He must become greater. I must become less. I mean, think of it. Think of it. I'm in my mid-40s. It's at moments like this where we are seizing the world, getting ready to pounce on our 50s and our 60s and roar into our retirement age, you know, with as much authority, power, and uh, things we can get our hands on. That's what the world says to us at least. And it's at that moment that John the Baptist is at this climax when he wants to get his hands on everything that he can, but instead he's backing back and he's going, no, I don't, I don't really want to shoot for anything greater. Jesus needs to become greater. Now that would be hard for our American, our American culture. That would be hard for us here in America to really grasp that and to really understand that and to really go with that. It would be a very, very difficult thing for us to do. But I'm telling you today, if you really want to learn what it means to live second, then words like this that were spoken by John the Baptist must be in our hearts. So today, today I want to help us. And I want to take us on the journey, continue the journey today of this teaching series. And let's finish it strong. How can Jesus become greater and we become less? And to do that, I want to take you to some passages of Scripture in Philippians. And I want to teach you the Philippians cont- contrast. All right, the Philippians contrast. I'm going to read to you two different verses. These two verses are going to be things you're never going to forget again in your life. You're going to remember these forever. All right, and when I share these two verses with you, you're going to you're going to instantly understand which one is greater. Right? You're going to say one of those is greater than the other, and one of them identifies your life. Take a look with me in the, in Philippians chapter one, verse twenty-one. It says, "In fact, read this with me. For to me." Right? Living means living for Christ, and dying is even better. Now, this is the first chapter. We're going to refer to chapter 1, and we're going to refer to chapter 2. And we're going to refer to them independently of one another as we go throughout the rest of the series, or today. And so, here is chapter 1, and it's saying this, For to me, meaning, I am thoroughly and utterly convinced there is nothing that's going to shake me. Not your opinion, not your actions, not what your thoughts are, no matter what's happened to me. I'm in jail right now, and I am convinced that living means living for Christ. And you know what I'm convinced of? That dying is even better. No, this is not Paul going, man, you know what I really want to do? Just get off this planet. People around this planet are just ticking me off. You know, I am torqued. I just can't. I can't handle it. No, that's not what he's saying. He's saying that there is a day coming when I will spend eternity with Christ. And that day is even better than the days I'm living. He had his eyes set on something greater than what he could see with his physical eyes. He had his spiritual heart set on a time and a place that was greater. 
Now, contrast that with Philippians chapter 2, the very same verse, all right? Verse 21 again. And, it's, and Paul writes and he says, all the others care only for themselves and not for, for what matters to Christ, to Jesus Christ. Now he's writing this because he's describing someone who cares a lot about them and who cares a lot about the matters of Christ, talking about Timothy. But he's saying, beyond Timothy, I've got a lot of people around me that they don't care about others. And they really don't care about what matters to Christ, although they know him and they know his teachings. So this entire series boils down to these two passages, chapter 1 or chapter 2. Which one of these two defines your life best? Which one of these two might be like a life verse for you? Which chapter will your life be known for? Because when you look into chapter 1, the word living there is the word that is used for us today in our English language where we get the word, our biography. So he's saying you're living, you're creating the story about yourself. And are you living it to create a story about Jesus? Or are you in chapter 2 living to create a story about you? And if you were to end your life today, if your life, you know, ended this, ended this moment and you never existed anymore, when, and someone wanted to write a biography about you, would your life's biography represent chapter 1 or would it represent chapter 2 of Philippians? Which one? Which one would have the greatest evidence? If they wanted to make a movie about your life, what would others say in the movie about you? What would others say? What would they say? What would they sit down at a chair like this and tell the stories about you? And would, this, would your life's movie inspire people to live chapter 1? Or would it inspire them to live chapter 2? See, that's something that you really are, you've got to contemplate today. Because that's what this whole series boils down to. Your biography, what your life is known for here on this earth. And the days after you're gone, which one will you be known for? Chapter 1 or chapter 2? Because see, just like chapter 1, Paul says that uh, basically dying is even better. Well, physically, you and me have never experienced that. We have a hope that eternity with Christ is going to be better than life spent on this earth. But for right now, you have not experienced that yet. Right? So what that means for you and me is that every breath that you have, every minute that you're given, every day that you're given is another opportunity for you to extend the biography of your life. To look more and more like chapter 1 where I'm living not for myself, but I'm living for Christ. In chapter 2, it really speaks about these self-centered, you know, selfish individuals that they know Jesus, but they choose to live for themselves. They know better, but they choose to put self first. Instead of being second and let Jesus live his first. That's a scary place to be. Those are scary people, by the way. Some of the most scary people on our planet are the ones who know better, but they choose to do it anyways. Isn't that just like the addict? The addict, the you know, the person that's addicted to, um, you know, alcohol, or the person that's addicted to drugs, or the person that's addicted to sex and pornography, the person that's addicted to those things, when they're challenged with it, many of the times they say this, oh, I could stop. I can stop whenever I want to. I have no problem. Really? Well, if you could stop whenever you want to, why don't you? Isn't it typical that those, those kind of mindset people wait for tragedy to happen? 
Isn't it normal that those kind of people wait for the bottom of the barrel to arrive before they ever decide, you know, I'm really now going to change? And did you realize that in Christianity, that's how we live as well? Oh yeah, I know that, I know that it's better to live, live for Christ, but right now I just got, I got to live for myself. I know better, but I choose to do this. We're, we're, we've, we've become addicted to our own sin. We've become addicted to our own self-pleasure. There might not be support groups to go to for that. There might not be, you know, any, you know, a lot of books or courses to go to for, for that. But I'm telling you right now that if you're living a lifestyle, you're doing things that you know you shouldn't, but you're telling yourself, I could change whenever I want to, that you're waiting what? What are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? You're waiting for tragedy to happen and then you're going to change? Because from my perspective, over the last number of years, over 20 years of full-time ministry, when people have tragedy that strikes in their life, that makes them or forces them now to make a change, and they say, okay, now I'll live as second, I'll let Jesus live as first, normally that doesn't last very long. And when they hit rock bottom, when all the wheels fall off the tricycle, if you will, and they decide, I'm going to change now, it normally doesn't last very long. It's the people, when they're living normal life, not on top of the mountain, just normal flat life, which is where, the, where we typically live, it's when people are living like that and they start making decisions. I'm going to live as second and I'm going to let Jesus live as first. And they start laying down themselves and they start saying, I am going to be second. Jesus, you're going to be first in my thought life. Jesus, you're going to be first in my marriage. Jesus, you're going to be first in my relationships. Jesus, you're going to be first in my career. Jesus, you're going to be first. It's as they start tackling those things one at a time. When life is just normal, that's when it, that's when it really sticks and you go someplace. That's why this whole teaching series, I Am Second. I've been waiting for some tragedy to hit to bring it. Just bringing it right now, right in the midst of normal. So how can you live as second? How can you be that Philippians chapter 1 type of a person? Well, look, let's follow a few things that we find in this passage. In chapter 1, we see that Paul says three critical words. For to me. This is Paul's resolve. This is his resolve. I mean, this is his unshakable faith defined in three critical words, for to me. And you and me have to have a resolve. We have to have this unshakable faith inside of us that says, no matter how high the mountain peak is and life gets really, really good, or how deep the valley gets, and it seems like life is just hardly worth living for and hell's coming in all around me, that for me, I am going to live for Christ. But see, that has to be displayed in action. So today I would say to you that your resolve, it must, it must tap into your intentions in life. And that your intentions in life have to be first to honor Christ. Your intentions. Secondly, your motives. Why you do what you do. What you're trying to gain out of your own actions. Your motives first have to be they're going to live for Christ. My motives are going to honor Christ. Third, your priorities, and watch this because there's a shift here. Your priorities must show that you're living for Christ. Not priorities written down on a piece of paper that you say you are. Your priorities must show. Your priorities must proclaim to the world that the biography of your life is to live for Christ. Not chapter 2, to live for self. So, 
for to me, there has to be this unshakable faith, this resolve inside of you that says, no matter what comes my way, no matter what people say, my life is completely bent on that chapter one kind of a lifestyle. And then secondly, there's a secret that's found. You're probably not going to like the secret very much. But there is a secret to living as second and Christ living as first in this passage. It's found in these simple words. Dying is even better. Notice, he says these words when he's alive. And it's not because he wants to escape. It's because he's come to understand that my goals are not set on just what I'm trying to accomplish on this earth. My goals are set on what I'm trying to honor the king with. Because I'm going to spend eternity with him. My life, like the Bible says, is but yet a vapor on this earth. It comes one moment, and then it's gone the next. See, when eternity with Jesus is the greatest way to spend your time, then living for Christ becomes powerful. When your eyes get set on eternity with God versus just the temporal that happens on this earth, that's when living for Christ can become powerful. And so C.S. Lewis once said these words. He said, if your eyes are on heaven, you will gain earth as well. But if your eyes are on earth, you will gain neither. What are your eyes set at? What are your goals set on? What are your priorities set on? What's your motives driving you to? Are they only earthbound? Because you're going to lose both. Are they heaven-bound? Are they eternity-bound? Living for Christ, that even if I die, it's gain because I'm spending eternity with God. Now you've understood what it really means to live. Which one is greater, right? Make heaven greater and earth less. The good news is this, that Jesus, he wants to help you in all of this. Like he always does. You need to know, Jesus is not against you. He, he wants to help you. Follow this out. He wants to help you walk it out. Take a look at with me in 2 Corinthians at what I mean by that. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 15 says that he, and that's referring to Jesus, Jesus died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. See what it's, See the power of Christ? That Christ said, Jesus says, I died to give you something greater to live for. And if you truly receive him, those who receive his new life, if you receive his new life by surrendering yourself, humbling yourself, coming to maybe even an altar like this that we call the altars are for the hungry here at New Life, and they're in all of our venues, that if you come to Christ and you humble yourself and you lay your life down and you go, I, would, I need to live for Christ, no longer that I live, but that Christ would live in me, now you're really starting to discover what real hope is. Because real hope is in the fact that in, in verse 15 of this passage that we're looking at, it says that they will live for Christ. That if you surrender your life to Jesus, Jesus is going, the power of my spirit will come alive inside of you so greatly that I will help you live for Christ. That sounds a lot like Philippians chapter 1. That's what Jesus is trying to do. What should our response be? Humble our lives to Christ. Make him the Lord and the leader of our lives. Oh, you go, oh, I've done that, Jeff. Okay, well then, look at specific areas of your life. 
And what are these particular areas, these fears that you have? This dominating, controlling behavior that you have. This argumentative spirit that you have. This addiction that you're hanging on to. Yeah, maybe you believe in Christ as your Lord and your leader. And yes, even saved. Man, heaven is your home. But earth is dominating you. Bring that area to Christ today. And lay it down because he has hope for you. That even you will live for Christ. I know many of you had your lives literally transformed and changed during this teaching series, I Am Second. I'm excited for you. Many of you. How many of you guys would say there was one Sunday at some point throughout this teaching series where my life was challenged to live as second and Christ to be first? How many of you? Yeah, hands are up all over the place. Right, they're up in the gym. They're up in North Platte right now. Because that's the Holy Spirit. That's what he does. I want to say to you today, never stop chasing after Christ. Never stop chasing to become second. Never stop surrendering. Your entire life as a Christian is about surrender. It's about laying your life down out of obedience to let Christ reign and rule in your heart. Very much like those that are getting ready to be baptized. I mean, there's 17 people getting ready to be baptized today in our three different venues. Ten of them here in Kearney and seven of them in North Platte. And I couldn't be more excited. In fact, if you look at venue-wise, we're going to have five people baptized in this venue because this is where they attend. Five people are going to be baptized in our, in our venue down in the gym because that's where they attend. And seven people are going to be baptized out of North Platte. If you look at it from that perspective, North Platte, they dominated us. And good for them. But all of that, that's healthy competition, by the way, all right? That's healthy competition. We got, a, we got a lot of work to do for our next baptism, all right? But here's the deal. God's changing lives. And these folks are, they've come to understand that I want to live for Christ. I want to be that Philippians chapter 1 kind of a person. I want to be second. And I want Christ to be first. And so today... Today I'm going to surrender the platform. And what you're getting ready to hear is the testimonies of the 10 folks that are being baptized here at our Carney location. Some of them you're going to hear verbally. And I'm telling you, it, you know what the greatest fear is for humanity? Now I know mine is, spiders. But you know what yours is? <laughs> Public speaking. A lot of you have this great fear of public speaking, you know, kind of like a person that has a fear of heights and when they look over something and they get that nauseous feeling. And there's people that are going to sit in this chair in just a minute that have never spoke to a group of people like you, much less the three different venues. Have grace for them. They're going to share their story. Others of them are going to sit in this chair and then you're going to read their story on our screens. And at the end of hearing these stories, man, let's celebrate what God's doing in people's lives. Because out in North Platte, after the sermon, in North Platte, Pastor Dave is going to interview the seven people on the stage very quickly just to share their story with others so that people can hear what God is doing. At New Life, we want to celebrate what God's doing, not hide it. We don't want to have something great that's going on where lives are being transformed and then just push it underneath the rug someplace. But that takes a lot of guts sometimes, a lot of fortitude. It takes resolve. For to me, these people are going to sit in this chair and go, it doesn't matter what you think. I'm sitting in this chair for an audience of one, and that's Christ. I want you to be 
inspired as you hear these stories of people getting baptized here. Well, the last two years have been probably the hardest of my life, um, and I didn't think that they could be any darker. Um, I, I, of course, knew God, but um, I didn't let him in so that I could really know him, and I was drowning um, in depression and anxiety, self-hatred, um, and I was losing control really quick. Um, I was isolating myself from everybody and from God. Um, and I was ready to dishonor God by taking what was not mine, my life. I was as destructive as I could be with the thing that mattered most, or mattered least to me and most to God. Um, I really didn't think that God had a plan for me um, I kind of lost all hope um, in God, and, and I, I didn't understand what the love of a father really meant, and I didn't think it was for me. Um, I thought it was for everyone else all these years. Um, finally, God let me hit true bottom, and um, that's a really terrifying and lonely place to be. Um, I was desperate to understand God's love, and um, one way or another, I wasn't going to stay the same. He, uh, he pretty much shook me to the core and um, let me see that it was about him, not about me. Um, in his grace and mercy, he sent specific people um, that, and situations that led me to find the God that they had, um, and it wasn't a one-time prayer, but it was an everyday prayer. Um, please change me from the inside out, and so I listened um, to my mentor. Um, I went to classes, um, uh, insight, and um, I prayed and um, did things that that only God could do. He gave me some scriptures, um, Galatians 2.20 and 2 Corinthians um, 6.20a. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And I was bought with a price. Um, powerful when you know what that means to you personally. So now um, I'm on the road to discovery and usefulness, um, and he's working his plan in me, and he, he's saying now it's time to live. So today I'm getting baptized, and... Um, I'm going to leave um, all the bad and, and junk in the tank, and when I come back out, I will be living for Christ, and whatever, um, hopefully his light will shine. So I'm Julie Jones. My name is Julie Jones, and I am second. I am studying UNK for my graduate study. Um, 
I, I was born in northwestern part of China. My parents, they have no religion. My grandmother, she's a Christian. She was illiterate before she believed in God. God just gave her wisdom that her could read the Bible. And right now she have read Bible several times over. I, th- I think my life is just God's plan because he always sent Christian in my life. When I studied in Japan, there is a small church near my university. I, I have Bible study over there. And when I finished it, the pastor asked me, would you want to be baptized? But I said no. Because um, in my heart, I think Christians are perfect people. However, I'm still evil, selfish, and greedy. I don't want to define the glory of the world, the Lord. And I don't want to disappoint him. So I said no. But when I came to UNK, I think God knew I want to get the relationship with him. So he just keeps sending people around me who is a Christian. So I have Bible study, and I got more knowledge about him. I know I'm such a sinner. I need to ask him forgiveness. And right now, I'm being baptized, and his glory just fulfilled in my heart. I am Chen Shui Kai. I am second. So, Micaiah, when did you decide to ask Jesus to be your savior? When I was six years old, my mom asked me if I wanted Jesus in my heart, and I said yes. And you're 10 now, correct? Yes. So what happened in those two years to make you decide to get baptized today? Learning more what it means and seeing my brothers get baptized. So are you ready to declare that you're going to serve Jesus with your whole life today? Yes. My name is Micaiah Gans, and I am second. I was pushed down by kids in my school. They would call me names, and I would believe in what they were saying. And I wouldn't be following Jesus. And I wouldn't listen to what Jesus was telling me to do. And so one day I just went and sat by a tree, and I cried. And I, that very day, I went home, and I told my mom everything that happened after that. And the next day, I felt God telling me to live for him. And I thought... And I said that I was going to make a big decision. And if I was going to make that decision, I was going to make it now. And that's why I'm getting baptized today. 
My name's Jalen Pulser, and I am second. So I grew up in a broken home. My parents divorced when I was three years old. My dad was a drug addict. My mom was emotionally and physically abusive. By the time I was five, um, a family friend had brought me and my siblings to church with them. Um, In junior high, um, I ended up having to get a job by the time I was 12 to help support the household and pay bills. Um, I got involved in a lot of sports and church. In high school, I worked seven days a week, um, was involved in every school extracurricular activity that was available, and went to church five days a week anything that could keep me away from home. When I was 16, my dad committed suicide, and I kind of fell away from Christ. I moved to Washington State and got involved with men, drugs, alcohol. When I was 26, I got married to a man who I thought had loved me, but neither of us really knew what love was. Um, I was really good at my career. I had won awards, was becoming very successful, Later on in 2011, I had found out that my ex-husband was involved with heroin, and when I had discovered this, he had threatened my life. Shortly after that, I was sexually assaulted by my boss at work. I was forced to leave everything. Every plan I had made for my life had ended, and I had nothing. I turned to a sexual addiction, and used and treated men very awful. And my sister, the whole time I was in Washington, she never gave up on me. She sent me letters with scripture to remind me of God's love for me. And I was being called to move closer to family, um, especially Kearney, Nebraska. I moved here um, January of this year to live with my sister, and I still didn't want to give up control. I, f- I fought it. I was afraid that I was unworthy of God's love, and in July of this year, I had went to a conference with a friend and really understood the consequences that were going to happen to me if I didn't repent. I'm getting baptized today as a declaration of my repentance to the whole church, and so I can help be held accountable for my actions and to praise him. My name is Calista Knuff, and I am second. Let's look at that Corinthians passage one more time. That Corinthians passage that we looked at earlier, it said to us that Christ died, that he gave up his life so that those who would receive him and those who would put their trust in him might live what? They might live as second 
and that he would live as first. That's what the passage says. It drives the point home over and over again that if we will receive Christ, if we'll lay our lives down and surrender to him, that he wants to help us live as first. That's the testimonies you just heard in this chair. That's the testimonies they're getting ready to hear out of North Platte in just a few moments. But today, you're going to be given a unique challenge in all of our venues. All of our venues have a white chair like this. And at the right moment, our campus pastor and each venue will come up to this stage in our service today. And they're going to give you an opportunity to sit in this chair. No, not to sit in an audience like this, not to share your testimony verbally, to sit in, the, in these chairs for the audience of one. You're going to be given the opportunity to sit in a chair just like this and offer a 10 to 15 second prayer to God that says, God, I want to live as second and I want you to live as first. Or God, I'm laying down this piece of my life that you might be first. It's a bold challenge. And not everyone's going to take it. But for those who do take it, I'm believing that God's going to bring a moment of freedom in your life. I want you to be thinking about and contemplating, listening to the God's spirit, because in a moment you're going to be given the opportunity to sit in the chair that represents I'm second and Christ is first. Why don't you stand with me? In all of our venues, as soon as I'm done praying, our worship teams are going to be leading us, and we're going to go into a time of baptism where all these people are going to get baptized. It's a time of celebration. So in all of our venues, what I encourage you to do is as a person's baptized, it's a time of celebration, so cheer for them, clap for them. It's okay, it's all right to do that. This is a time to celebrate the life change that God's bringing. Why don't you bow your heads with me and let's pray. Father, we thank you. Thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for what you're doing in our church. Thank you for how you're transforming lives, how you're changing us. From the inside out, you are transforming us. Lord, you're, you're changing our church one person at a time. Lord, people are coming off the streets, coming out of broken homes and broken lives, and they're walking into new life, and they're finding the new life that they can get in Christ. Others, God, have been wrapped up in religion, just going to church Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, and now, finally, now they're discovering what real life is, a relationship with Christ that radically transforms them. So, Lord, thank you that in all of our venues, in all that you're doing in our church, you're changing lives and you're growing them. And today we celebrate that through water baptism. Today is a moment where we publicly proclaim to the world, I'm not my own anymore. I'm living as second and Jesus is firmly living as first. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity. We celebrate the life change that you're bringing. And everyone said, amen. Let's worship.